Hi everyone and welcome to episode 19 of Infraction, our true crime podcast. I'm Nadia. And I'm Sally. Um, And before we get into today's episode, we just have a really quick announcement to make. So you might have already seen on Facebook, um, but for those of you that haven't, we are doing a giveaway. Uh, This is in celebration of having 10,000 listens, which we are really, really grateful for. So if you want to enter this, uh, the prize is a free hoodie. You just need to head over to our Facebook where you'll see the post about it. You need to share the post, make sure you've liked our Facebook page and then tag one of your friends who may love true crime or maybe you think they might in the comments below the post. If you want an extra entry, then all you need to do is leave us a review either on Apple or Facebook. Um, And if you screenshot it for us, if you leave it on Apple Podcasts and then just private message either our Instagram or our Facebook account, then yeah, we'll enter you twice. Uh, The prize is a beautiful, if we say so ourselves, (laughs) infraction hoodie. We've both got one, so you'll be the very exclusive third person in the world to own one all right okay thanks so let's get into today's episode so today's episode is a listener request from mary who lives in alberta in canada so hi mary hi mary and thank you for getting in touch with your request for this case today's case is about richard speck he is largely referenced as one of america's worst mass murderers and his life leading up to his mass murdering days were incredibly bleak and violent Richard Speck was born on December the 6th, 1941, in Monmouth in Illinois in the United States. He was the seventh out of eight children, and he was very close to his father. Unfortunately, when he was just six years old, his dad died and his mother quickly remarried. His mother moved Richard, and I think just one of his sisters, to Dallas, Texas, to live with her new husband, what happened to the other six children? Um, I think they were, like, grown up, but I can't really tell. Okay. From all the reports I've read, they um, they weren't included in this move. Um, and I guess because he's the seventh out of eighth, I imagine he and his, probably his sister was, like, the eighth kid, so, like, the youngest one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Richard Speck's new stepfather was an abusive alcoholic, and he abused Richard regularly. Possibly because of this, Richard started drinking at the age of 12 and was first arrested when he was just 13 years old for trespassing. Over the next 10 years of his life, Richard committed a string of other crimes, including burglary and assault, as well as more white-collar crimes such as forgery. When Richard was 20 years old in October 1961, he met Shirley Malone. She was just 15 years old. The pair started dating and she quickly found out that she was pregnant. They got married in 1962, and shortly after their wedding, Shirley gave birth to their daughter. Seemingly following in his stepfather's footsteps, Richard was incredibly abusive and aggressive towards Shirley. During this time, Richard was in and out of prison for a string of other crimes, and so this at least provided some respite for Shirley. During one particular stint behind bars, Richard got a tattoo on his forearm that read, Born to Raise Hell. It's a classic prison tattoo done presumably with like a needle and ink. So as you can imagine, it looks awful. In January 1965, whilst Richard Speck was on parole, he attempted to assault a young woman who was walking to her car. He grabbed the woman from behind and held a knife to her throat. She screamed and Richard panicked and he ran away. The police quickly caught up with him and he was arrested and sentenced to just under 18 months in prison. 
Unfortunately, due to some sort of error on his paperwork, he was released 10 months early and was allowed back out onto the streets. What? How can there just be an error in paperwork? I don't know. That means a dangerous person. I mean, I suppose there's not... 10 months isn't going to suddenly turn him into a really saintly human, but you'd like to think a simple administrative error wouldn't dictate whether or not someone gets released from prison. Yeah, well, completely, because in that time when he was supposed to be in prison, he then went on to hurt other people, so... Yeah, maybe it's not enough time to make him reformed, but it certainly would have helped the people that he then went on to assault, you know, during that time when he was actually supposed to be behind bars. Mm. So a few months after his release from prison, in January 1966, Shirley filed for divorce. Richard Speck obviously did not take this well, and fueled with rage, he went to drink at a bar. He got into a fight with another man who was drinking there and stabbed the man several times with the blade that he'd been carrying around with him. He was charged with aggravated assault. However, his mother got him a good lawyer who somehow managed to get this charge reduced to disturbing the peace, which I just absolutely cannot believe. Who was this lawyer? Like, disturbing the peace is usually a charge reserved for, like, a minor infraction, like being too noisy or something, not physically actually stabbing someone. Yeah, God, and who was the judge, particularly given he had already had a criminal Mm -hmm. record? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, for this brutal, violent attack, he was only fined $10, which is about $80 in today's money. He either couldn't pay it or refused to pay it, but either way, the fine went unpaid, and so he ended up spending three days in jail for that crime. As you can already tell, Richard Speck is a really, really nasty piece of work, and before he'd even turned 25 years old, he already had 41 arrests under his belt. In March 1996, he bought a car and then went to a grocery store and broke in and stole 70 packets of cigarettes. He then immediately went to a car park nearby and started selling them to people. Someone at the car park had heard about the break-in at the shops and reported to the police that there was a man in a car park selling stolen cigarettes. By the time the police arrived, however, Richard had fled, although his car was still there and so the police were able to link him to the crime. They put out a warrant for his arrest. For some bizarre reason, this was the crime that Richard Speck really didn't want to get caught for. Um, Or, I don't know, maybe it was just that he was fed up of continuously going back to prison. But either way, he decided to flee Dallas and got on a bus with the intention of going to Chicago, where one of his sisters lived. However, Richard Speck didn't quite make it all the way to Chicago, and instead ended up back in Monmouth, Illinois, where he'd spent the first few years of his life. Whilst there, he broke into a home of 65-year-old Virgil Harris and sexually assaulted her. (gasps) He then stole $2.50 from her, which is about $20 in today's money. A week after this assault, Richard Speck went into a bar that he'd been regularly frequenting. Behind the bar, a 32-year-old woman named Mary Kay Pierce was pulling pints. Mary had worked in the bar a while and had told some of her co-workers that she found Richard Speck really creepy and she told them that she was certain that he'd followed her home on more than one occasion. That night, Mary Kay Pierce went missing and her badly beaten body was found in a hoghouse just behind the bar she'd been working at. Her cause of death was a ruptured liver caused by a powerful blow to her abdomen. Richard Speck was taken in for questioning as he had actually been working as a carpenter building that hog house where her body was found, but he denied any involvement. The death of Mary Kay Pierce is largely referenced as Richard Speck's first murder. However, he was never charged or convicted for this crime. Seeing as he left town over some stolen cigarettes, I'm sure it comes as no surprise to you that Richard Speck fled Illinois shortly after Mary's murder and he ended up in Chicago. Whilst he lived with his sister for a short while, for whatever reason, this didn't work out, and so he ended up moving into a motel. 
On the 13th of July 1966, Luisa Silverio, a student nurse from the Philippines, sat in a dormitory in a townhouse in Chicago with her friend and colleague, Valentina Passion. The pair gave each other manicures and then started cooking dinner for some of the other nurses who lived there. These were Corazon Amaral and Melita Gargulo. Luisa was going to stay over at the house with the other nurses, but then she remembered that she had errands to run back at the dorm that she lived in, so she picked up her things and left to go home. And this decision undoubtedly saved her life. On this day, 13th of July, Richard Speck, aged 24, had spent the day drinking in a bar. He left the bar and then sexually assaulted a 53-year-old woman at her apartment. On his way out, he stole the lady's gun. He then went back to the bar with a gun and knife in his pocket and he drank even more. At 11pm, he left the bar and found himself outside that townhouse that I was just speaking about. As I mentioned, this townhouse was a sort of dorm for student nurses from the South Chicago Community Hospital. He used the knife to pry open the back window of this house and he got inside. Brandishing his gun, he forced the women into one room, tore up strips of bedsheets and then bound all the women. He then grabbed the first nurse, Pamela Wilkinen, and took her into another room. There, he started to sexually assault her until he was interrupted by two other nurses coming home from a shift. When the two women entered the room, Richard Speck attacked them with the knife. These two women were Suzanne Farris and Mary Ann Jordan. Despite them putting up a fight, Speck didn't stop until both Suzanne and Mary were dead. He then turned his attentions back to Pamela and stabbed her to death too. Speck then went back into the room where the other nurses were bound and picked another victim. He took her into the next room and sexually assaulted her and then stabbed her to death. He repeated this pattern of individually taking the women one by one into the other room to attack and either stab them or strangle them until all the nurses were dead. This entire ordeal lasted around four and a half hours. Fucking hell. His eight victims, including the three women I just mentioned, were 23-year-old Merlita Gargulo, 21-year-old Gloria Davy, Patricia Matusek, who was 20 years old, Pamela Wilkinen, Suzanne Farris, and Marianne Jordan, who were all 20 years old, 24-year-old Nina Schmel, and Valentina Passion, who was 24 years old. After this disturbing and methodical killing spree, Speck washed his hands and left the townhouse, and he went back to his motel room and fell asleep. Unbeknownst to him, Richard Speck had left a ninth victim unharmed in that townhouse. This was 23-year-old Corazon Amaral. She had been hiding underneath one of the beds. When she heard Speck leave, she climbed out from under the bed and saw that all her roommates were dead. She screamed, ran to a window, opened it and shouted, they're all dead. Someone heard her screams and the police were called. They found the bodies of eight student nurses and a hysterical Corazon. Had she seen the whole thing? Uh, yes, yeah, so she'd been hiding underneath the bed. So when the police interviewed her, she was actually able to give a really good description of Richard Speck. She said to the police in her description that the murderer had a blank pockmarked face and a tattoo that read Born to Raise Hell on his arm. Oh my God, I mean, amazing for the police, but I cannot imagine sitting there and watching mm -hmm. that whole thing play out and ever being able to go on and live my life afterwards. No, com I completely Just agree. Fear. Completely agree. And for that long as well, for like four and a half hours. And that's like a yeah. very lengthy amount of time in itself. But imagine whilst all that horror is going on around you and that entire time being fearful for your own life as well. Um, God, it must have felt like an absolute eternity. Yeah, absolutely. 
Whilst a manhunt for this murderer ensued, Speck was in his hotel room attempting to slit his wrists. Shortly after this suicide attempt, he actually changed his mind and called an ambulance. In hospital, one of the doctors noticed his tattoo and remembered the information the police had given out about it. Speck was arrested and charged with the eight murders. Whilst awaiting his trial, Richard Speck partook in mandatory sessions with the jail psychiatrist. The report that came from his sessions detailed that Speck had depression, anxiety and had displayed signs of guilt and shame. The results also showed that Speck had a deep-rooted love for his family. Other findings from this report state that he had an obsessive-compulsive personality and a, quote, Madonna prostitute attitude towards women. So this Madonna prostitute reference here, I imagine, is actually a reference to the Madonna whore dichotomy. Um, Do you know what that is? No. So this is where individuals denote totally polar opposite kind of generalised personalities to women or perceive these women in a complete polar opposite. So basically a woman is either a good, celibate, pure Madonna or she is like a promiscuous, corrupted um, and like seductive quote unquote whore. And for these people who view women in that way, there's no in between. So from what I can tell, the Madonna whore dichotomy was coined by Freud in an attempt to theorise unresolved sexual complexes within men, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. But the feminist perspective on this case, I'm sure, as you can imagine, is that it's used by men to reinforce patriarchy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think that's... uh, I don't doubt that that exists in society, but I don't see how it's particularly relevant to why he murdered eight student nurses mm-hmm. do you know what I mean it just seems a justification and frankly a situation where there isn't one yeah well completely so basically it was theorized by his psychiatrist that Speck had this complex as a result of his internal anguish towards his mother um so his mother Mary Speck had always been loyal to Richard and had always bailed him out of jail or visited him in prison each time he got into trouble so he felt like a deep love for her but he also felt a deep hatred for her because she'd moved on so quickly from his father after his death and because she'd moved Richard in with her new husband who had been abusive towards him. So this inner turmoil and the conflicting feelings he had for his mother supposedly caused him to lash out at women who he deemed as too easy. Speck's psychiatrist stated that he viewed women as saintly until he felt like the woman had betrayed him and then he became hostile and violent. And I don't know how you feel, Sazo, but I'm really just not buying this because I'm sure parts of it do read true, such as maybe like his inner turmoil that he felt for his mother or stuff like that. But I do not for one second buy that he treated women well until they wronged him because most of the women he sexually assaulted were completely unknown to him and he didn't know any of the eight nurses that he murdered. So I can't really see how any of his victims could have ever like betrayed him and therefore ignited this hostility within him when they literally never met him before he kind of assaulted them or murdered them. No, I completely agree. And I just think really, from my point of view, is focusing on the wrong aspects of this case. For me, the more interesting thing really is that he had a very abusive stepfather because I think it allows you to somewhat separate the nature-nurture argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, having an abusive step-parent alone probably, well, definitely isn't sufficient. But actually, if he had some genetic predisposition and then at a very key stage in his life, you know, his true kind of formative years where children are sponges and their whole world is shaped effectively um, from the their caregivers, I think that, here is probably the much bigger thing um and if anything i'd say his issues with women are probably more likely 
to probably be a reflective of the fact that his mum moved him into a home with a man who was abusive towards him and probably rightly or wrongly I can't speak to her situation and I'm sure she probably would have wished another way but actually she probably let uh, Richard's stepfather abuse him and if anything I think that would have probably had a bigger impact on his character and later behavior Mm -hmm. than Freud's ideas I mean Freud definitely started a lot of great things in psychology but he started them and the key to that being we've moved away and built on them yeah yeah. (laughs) as opposed to still (laughs) relying on them so yeah I completely agree these ultimately he's murdering and assaulting complete strangers this isn't about someone who's been really wronged by a dear love of theirs like we see in other cases and then Mm -hmm. murdered them in rage I completely agree I think this complex sounds yeah bizarre I I understand like the premise behind it but personally I just think like you say it just reinforces a society in which oh yeah absolutely fine you know a woman's wronged you by all means go ahead and kill her Mm -hmm. and it's not your fault you're just suffering from a a mere complex (laughs) exactly so another finding from his psychiatrist report was that uh, there was a diagnosis for organic brain syndrome do you know what that is no, I've never... This is an American case, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, tell me in case it's got another term. Um. Okay, so, yeah, I don't know if these are kind of, like, things that are around now because this is obviously a very old case, Um. so I'm, sh- mm. I'm sure it's very kind of old science. Um. But from what I can tell, organic brain syndrome is the term given to the gradual decrease in the functioning of the brain as a result of damage. So this damage can either be caused by a head injury or something like a stroke, and it can also be caused by substance abuse, and it can lead to episodes of like delirium um, and things like that. And everywhere says that someone who has organic brain syndrome shouldn't be left alone. So with regards to Speck, it's reported that his organic brain syndrome was caused by cerebral injuries he sustained in his early life, uh, most likely as a result of the constant abuse he was getting from his stepfather, and that the effects right. were heightened by his continuous drug and alcohol abuse. Yeah, so that makes sense. I've never heard the term, but yeah. Yeah, you can understand that. Yeah, I think everyone can probably understand the premise behind that. that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the brain is an amazingly finely tuned thing, and any part of it's bigger smaller not working then yeah 100 percent you can see and i think that's a much more granted probably worded in an older science way but mm-hmm. you'd think that would be how he'd be leading his report instead of with freud well yeah so this psychiatrist was a bit of a quack i think because um he his report this psychiatrist report stated that Speck had been insane at the time of the crime due to the alcohol and drugs he'd taken that day and the effects those substances were having on his organic brain syndrome. However, an impartial panel of five different psychiatrists and one surgeon determined that Speck had not been insane at the time he committed the murders and they deemed that he was actually fit to stand trial. So it does sound like a lot of people didn't really agree with this um, jailhouse psychiatrist report yeah absolutely i think people and loads of people in the world have brain damage and yes it can have huge cognitive impairments and people's ability to judge what is right and what is wrong but actually if he's an active functioning member of society Mm -hmm. then i i think sometimes in that sense the not guilty by reason of insanity card just a bit uncomfortable isn't it because like what are your definitions for it Mm -hmm. as asking a, a layman normal person actually anyone who murders someone could be argued to be insane yeah but that isn't to say they haven't done it in drugs and alcohol aside 
you know, if he was that went on for four and a half hours, mm-hmm. there was plenty of time for him to take a check. I just think for whatever the reasons, brain damage, substance abuse, whatever, this man was a mass murderer. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, so yeah, thankfully, because of this panel of independent psychiatrists, he did stand trial. And at the trial, Speck said that he couldn't remember any of the murders because he was too high and drunk, and therefore he couldn't even put forward a defence. Corazon Amaral, the only surviving nurse, got up on the stand and gave a play-by-play account of what had happened that night. She was incredibly brave to face him in court like that and to speak about how she'd seen all her friends violently murdered by Speck. Did she have any comment as to what um, his demeanour was at the time? I mean, did he seem insane apart from the obvious? I think from everything that I've seen, he was very um, calm. Like he didn't, from from genuinely what from what I can tell, it wasn't like erratic behaviour. It was um, quite methodical I guess would be the word that you would yeah. use so um but she, I, as far as I can tell she didn't really speak too much to it I mean I guess when you're under a bed were, were like worried for your yeah, life maybe you wouldn't notice things like that but yeah I think generally he did seem quite calm and collected but I mean he'd committed a lot of other violent attacks before even the sexual assaults that he was you know committing they were incredibly violently done so um, it's not exactly the first time. And if you think about the fact that he most likely did murder Mary Kay Pierce, it's not the first murder he's committed either. No, of course. So the jury deliberated for less than an hour and convicted Richard Speck for the eight murders. He was initially sentenced to death. However, this sentence was then changed to eight consecutive life terms. In prison, Richard Speck lived as much of a wildlife as he had on the outside. Reports say that he had a pet sparrow behind bars and that led him to be nicknamed the Birdman. The bird had flown into the prison through a broken window and he was injured, so Speck nursed this bird back to health and had it as a pet. When he learned that the guards were going to take away his sparrow, he threw it into a fan to kill it, saying, Mm. if I can't have it, no one can. Wow. But have you seen Mindhunter? Yeah. Do you recognise that? Oh yeah, of course. Now I know exactly what case you're talking about. (laughs) Thank God. Like 25 (laughs) minutes into the episode. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's a good thing. It wouldn't have been any fun if I'd have clocked this at the start. (laughs) So, Speck's crimes featured in the Netflix series Mindhunter and the book that the TV series originated from. So yeah, anyone who's seen Mindhunter might actually recognise that scene where Speck throws the bird into the fan. Speck was one of the 36 inmates interviewed by FBI agents Robert Ressler and John Douglas for their book that inspired the Mindhunter series. As well as his interview with the FBI, Speck did one other interview, this time a media interview, and this was with Bob Green from the Chicago Tribune. In this 1978 interview, for the first time ever, he publicly confessed to the murders. He also said that he hoped he would be out of prison by the year 2000. When asked what his favourite thing to do in prison was, Speck strangely responded with getting high. Well, can't imagine there's a lot else to do. Then getting high in prison. Yeah, oh my God, that's all anyone does. You think you're passing 23 hours in a cell all day, every day, and you're quite a bleak future. You're looking at staring at walls for the rest of your life. It's, yeah... Drugs are so rife in prison. Oh, well, then probably what I'm going to tell you in a minute isn't going to shock you at all. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead anyway. (laughs) Okay, well, on the 5th of December 1991, one day before his 50th birthday, Richard Speck died in prison from a heart attack, having spent 25 years behind bars. Nobody claimed his body, and so he was cremated and his ashes were spread in an unknown location. 
I mentioned briefly earlier that Richard Speck's life in prison was just as wild as his life on the outside. And we know this because five years after his death, journalist Bill Curtis obtained a video of Speck in prison that raised a whole lot of controversy and embarrassment for the Illinois corrections officers at the Statesville Correctional Center, where Richard Speck had been serving his sentence. In the video that was recorded in 1988, three years before Speck's death, Speck is talking to another inmate about the murders he committed. He's drinking alcohol and snorting lines of what looked like to be cocaine or some other type of white powder. He can also be seen smoking marijuana, and it looks like he's sniffing the lines of cocaine with a $100 bill. What? Oh, but that shocks you. <laughs> yeah, where's he got $100 from? Where's he got cocaine from? He's in prison. Well, the drug dealers who he's locked up with, I assume. <laughs> in this video, he is asked why he killed the eight nurses, and he responded saying it just wasn't their night. He was then asked, how do you feel about killing those ladies? And he says, like I always felt, had no feeling. If you're asking me if I felt sorry, no. He also says in the video, if they only knew how much fun I was having in prison, they'd turn me loose. Since the drugs and alcohol didn't shock you that much, Sal, maybe this will. Because what's even more bizarre is that in this video, Speck stands up and walks towards the camera. He's wearing blue satin or silk knickers, and he quite clearly has breasts. What? Yes. Like f female boobs. Has he always had those? No. So some people claim that he performed this change within prison to make him desirable to other inmates and for it to create a form of protection. And some officers said that it was like a scheme to not get killed and that apparently it worked. But I'm not really overly sure if that holds any weight. Regardless of his motives, however... He had illegally acquired female hormone drugs and was taking them in prison and this is what had caused the change in his body. Oh my God, how bizarre. Completely. It's The video is so, so strange. Like, I don't really understand how they even got there, but the video has come from essentially an area of the prison that was reserved kind of only for training purposes for guards and officers, but somehow Richard Speck got in there with some other people. Um, and the video essentially was i think taken for the purposes of creating a sex tape it is kind of like a two-hour porno really um but yeah in it he clearly has female breasts um and i don't know how he managed to illegally obtain these female hormone drugs um but i'm interested to know what you think about the theories that maybe he did that to form protection because i don't really know how that stands but i did also read another report that said that he did it because it was like the ultimate form of um not like shame but it was the ultimate form of remorse from him because he was turning himself into women and he'd like hated women and things like that i paraphrase that really badly but i don't really buy into that at all that he basically did it because he felt guilty no i don't see that at all i think well essentially i think it's really hard to try and rationalize the actions of someone who has done incredibly awful things mm -hmm. i mean if you take the organic brain or effectively brain damage um the substance abuse the childhood abuse this isn't someone who thinks rationally this isn't someone whose every decision is underpinned by logic and does things for the same reasons you or i would do things mm -hmm. so i think it's really easy to sit all day and try and think why on earth would you do that and yeah personally i don't buy into the remorse thing at all and if it is that then it's remorse in a way that makes sense in his head yeah. not one that makes sense in like a rational logical world mm -hmm. um 
I think it's from the protection thing. I mean, personally, I can't really level it in my head because I think like if he was trying to make himself attractive to other inmates, um, I can't imagine someone who is incredibly heterosexual would just be swung by a man with some hormone induced breasts. Mm -hmm. And equally, if someone was already, you know, swaying towards um, homosexuality, then again, I don't see the relevance of the breasts. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just very, a very strange thing. Um, I don't know whether I'd be very surprised whether there's any chance that there was some other sort of benefits of the drugs he was taking. Mm. Um, I mean, anything that you put into your body doesn't tend to have a completely isolated effect. So mm. I don't know whether they were, did anything to his mood or anything mm. um, or worked as a nice cocktail with all the other drugs that from the sounds of things he was taking. Um, yeah, I, th- I just think it's too hard to try and understand the inside thoughts of someone like this mm-hmm. because... It's a, it's a very, very strange thing to want to do, isn't it? Mm. And I think at this point as well, he's been in prison 25 years. It slightly surprises me that, like you say, they're in this training area. You Because ex- he didn't have any personal wealth, did he? And you'd have mm. to think that there must have been some officers who were complicit in this. So whether it was fear or connections or he'd just been there long enough to work his way and know what he needed to do to get an easy life etc mm-hmm. you don't know because it still it sounds to me like he had quite a lot of sway in prison and was going i mean yes drugs are rife in prison but to be sat there being filmed and snorting cocaine as if you're in the wolf of wall street is quite mm-hmm. different from i don't know pulling drugs out of out of every orifice and doing them in the <laughs> shower when no one's looking yeah. um so that that's the side of the drug thing definitely does shock me um but as far as the breast goes, I mean, it's anyone's guess really, isn't it? I think maybe just, he clearly has a very bizarre relationship with women. Mm-hmm. The fact that I think anyone who can intertwine murder and sex is is very strange, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So whether even it was a, a sexual thing for himself, some sort of fantasy for himself, it could be as simple as that. It gave him some sort of gratification. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. I think, yeah, it is hard, isn't it? Um, I guess we will never know why he did it. And obviously this caused like a total scandal when this video was kind of found and then released. Yeah, too right. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, Yes, it is like a complete scandal. Um, it's totally disgusting, I think, that he was allowed to get away with what he did in prison because for more than the fact that it was just a scandal when he shouldn't have been doing it, it is just such an insult, I think, to the families of those eight nurses who he murdered. He's in prison for one of the worst crimes a person can commit and he is literally just walking around doing whatever he wants to do. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, personally, I'm not actually pro the death penalty, but because, like, as you mentioned earlier, he was, for whatever reason, spared the death penalty when it was an option. To be the families of those victims and think, okay, well, there's a little bit of solace here. He's spending the rest of his life behind bars. Mm -hmm. But to see see this footage in which actually this suddenly doesn't seem like a punishment but just people are funding a roof over his head for him to do exactly as he was doing on the outside um yeah it must have been completely devastating for the families of all the victims to see that completely and for him to be in this video saying like oh if they only knew how much fun i was having in here they'd set me loose that is just yeah awful for the family so awful and Typically, I always think of American prisons as being slightly tougher than here because mm-hmm. they're not so centrally funded like ours are. So, I mean, these days when you hear about 
things going wrong in UK prisons, a lot of the time it's to do with really with short staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but you wouldn't expect that to be the case there. To me, it really sounds like he's managed to manipulate his way into a position in prison, which is quite common, I think, with a lot of these serial killers. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they have nothing to lose, really, do they? But it doesn't make it any less shocking. Mm, completely. Well, the officers at the prison were called to a state legislative panel to answer questions about kind of how they monitored spec and other inmates and things like that. But I think, to be honest, this was just more a formality than anything else because nothing really came of it. Which, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that in itself is also just like, heartbreaking for the families. Mm. Richard Speck was never convicted for the assaults on the other victims I mentioned earlier or for the murder of Mary Kay Pierce. Unfortunately, those cases still remain unsolved, which I'm sure is incredibly painful for their families and for the victims who survived her sexual assaults. And sorry, I wish I could have ended that on a slightly lighter note, but that is unfortunately where this episode ends. Thank you guys so much for listening. and Thanks again, Mary, for the suggestion and for sending me down the bizarre rabbit hole that researching this case ended up becoming. Um, as always guys you can find us on Facebook and Instagram to see photos each week that relate to our cases and remember to head over to Facebook to enter our giveaway competition we will see you on Wednesday where we will be discussing an incredibly violent and abhorrent double murder and listener discretion is advised for next week's um, case so yeah just to let you know that but hopefully we will see you on Wednesday for that one thanks so much guys bye 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 bye